Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park deep diving already so yeah let's go ahead keep keep your thought going though yeah i'm 36 though we're going to be 36 next month yeah you're 36 yeah i'm 54 so i live in edmonton i live in canada i don't know if you know where alberta is um i talked to somebody the other day from alberta on here oh, oh did you yeah, yeah i think her name is jennifer palmer i think it's alberta i hope uh, it was canada i'm pretty sure she said alberta could be wrong yeah well yeah alberta is pretty big like my city that i live in edmonton is like 1.4 million people so we're not that small. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I was referencing a show that was on before your time. It was it was basically, it was, you know, before CGI and all that existed, and it was a computerized guy, and he was he would talk and stuff, right? right. And, and it was the first attempt, I think, of Hollywood to take an image of a human being and then try to digitize it. And his name was Max Headroom. So the people listening <laughs> can check it out. It was kind of actually pretty funny, pretty funny uh, situation when Hollywood, where they've come from, right? And where they are now. Oh, for sure, dude. Look at Avatar, right? So, oh. Did you see the new trailer? Yes. I think yeah. I'm excited for it. I like the first one, man. Uh, you know, there was a lot of good stuff with it. It was the first time I've seen a movie like that, I guess. And it did really well. I like James Cameron stuff. But yeah, the second one, I don't know. Hopefully it holds up. But the trailer looked pretty good. I'm more excited about the new uh, Top Gun Maverick coming out. Right. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, because I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of the first movie. I've probably seen it 15 times. Oh, I'm, right? I'm, yeah. No, it, it's uh, I'm excited for that one too, just because I mean, even Rotten Tomatoes already gave it our 100 percent coming out before, you know, with certain reviews already. I'm sure it will go down, but I was surprised Rotten Tomatoes ranked it that high, you know, right now. I think it comes out in two weeks. So. Yeah, it comes end of, end of May. Yeah. And every single scene, um, what's his name? Jerry Bruckheimer or whatever. Every single scene that you see Tom Cruise in that jet, he's flying it. Because really? he's a cert. Oh well, yeah, he's most people don't realize he's a certified F F eighteen Hornet or whatever. He's oh, a certified. He his own certified. No, he's a certified pilot. Ah, it's like the last Mission Impossible. All the helicopter scenes, he did all that. He flies. He has his own private helicopter. He flies it everywhere. Oh, I knew he was doing his stunts and stuff, but I didn't know he could actually fly. Yeah, no, he's got his he's got his commercial pilot's license too. On top of that, but he's certified by the military to fly that jet. So the scenes where, like some of the scenes you've seen in uh, trailers, yeah, you've looked at him, where he's flying the jet up, he's doing all that stuff, right? <laughs> Did he do it in the first one too? In the first top? Yeah. Part? 
Yeah. Oh, man, that's yeah. Yeah. He, was, he, he already did it in uh, the first Top Gun. I don't think he did all the scenes. He did some of the some of the stuff they didn't allow him to be. And uh, he wanted to do some really unique things. I, I read in an article he wanted to do some unique things for the new movie, but the, um, they wouldn't let him. The Air Force wouldn't let him because the liability and of how expensive the planes are. Right. Because <laughs> he wanted. Well, he's he's got a fearless heart. Right. He just doesn't. The guy does most, he's 60 years old, does all his own stunts still. Yeah. yeah. Did he break right. you want, in one of the movies or something? Yeah. yeah, I think it was one of the Mission Impossible. Yeah, that sounds right. The, yeah. only, the, only, the only guy that's more crazy than him is uh, um, fellow Canuck, um, Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh, yeah. He's a badass, too. Yeah. And most people don't realize he's Canadian, right? So I didn't know he's that. Yeah, he's pretty fearless. He does all his stuff in in uh, in his movies too, right? So yeah, he's just a really cool dude, Keanu Reeves, man. Just even like the outside portion of him just being himself, the things he yeah. does and the charity. I've read like how he gives everyone on set like a watch or whatever he did. Watch he give in in the Matrix movies. He took a portion of his over a third of his earnings and he made sixty some million dollars. And he gave it to all the, the staff, cool. like the gaffers and the cameraman. He gave it to all the people that are behind the scenes because he said they're not appreciated enough. Right. He was the all first right. person in film history to ever do that. And he's done it many times since. Right. Because the yeah. Matrix series has been over for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. I love the action movies, though. I, I'm <laughs> right? a sucker so, for them, too. Like any of those 80s action movies, all the new ones, you know, I'm a sucker for them, too. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't. I, I'm a film it might be cheesy and kind of rough, but I don't care. I still get I still get a lot out of it. And, that, you know, that's what one thing I was listening to. It was Ethan Hawke. He was talking about that. You know, you should like everything in America, man, I guess Canada, too, is like, you know, it's so competitive anymore. You know, how, who's going to make the most money at the box office? You know, what are going to be the ratings and stuff? But it should be just, you know, don't worry about that. Go absorb the movie how you want it, how you want to and how you think if it's good or bad or not. Don't worry about what all the other critics are saying, you know. So. Oh, some of the movies I've gone to over the years that, you know, like these Oscar winners, right? Air quotes. It's, uh, you know, they suck. Some of them. Yeah. Right. And then some of the ones that don't, you know, they don't get very good reviews. I love them because maybe I'm just a child at heart and I like to escape. <laughs> Excuse me. It doesn't have to always flow just perfectly. Exactly. Right. So I've, yeah, I'm a movie, I'm a movie buff. The only movie I went to that is getting high ratings. I took my son on the week last weekend was the new Dr. Strange. I wasn't impressed with that. Unfortunately, it's, really? it's getting, it's getting tight. It's getting really high ratings. So I thought there was, it was too discombobulated. It was all over the place. There were some really good parts in it, but I do have to have some sort of a sense of flow. Even um, the last Spider-Man movie, I loved that too. But there was a point in time in watching it where I felt overwhelmed. There was just so much going on on the screen. I was just like anxiety ridden. It was, <laughs> or maybe it's my age, right? Who knows? Oh. But I love, I love movies. I have a home theater room down in my basement. Like I've had it since since I built this house when my kids were younger, and I'll sit down there and we'll you know we'll have people over and binge watch movies. Like we've literally we had we had one day some people came over. We took breaks, had supper and stuff. We watched that was before the the latest Star Wars were out, but we watched the one the first six. We watched four, five, six, and then the one, two, three. We watched. Nice. 
it, right? We were, there was a group of us here. Some people faded off, but we were two, three in the morning, right? <laughs> having some, having some barbecue, having some cocktails, having some snacks, you know, pop, visiting with people and not everybody's paying attention to the movies. Some are just, it was fun. Yeah. Right. So I like the, I like the energy that that gives. Right. So yeah, dude, it's a cool, it's a cool lifestyle. I like how you said that good energy, you know, you can just have people over just in, if everyone's seeing the movie, that's great, but you can still just hang out, talk, conversate, build that human connection that you know most of us need, you know, I feel like so. And yeah, that's one of my greatest things too. I grew up in a real, real rural area. You know, there's literally no cul-de-sacs, you know, no stoplights. It was just, you know, your nearest neighbor was, it was kind of close, but my best friend was, you know, miles away. So watching TV was just kind of, my thing unless you went outside but you know but at night came back in and just watched movies and i guess that's why i became such a big movie buff you know just always just love to watch movies man so well, i grew up in a small community of ten thousand people so i wasn't even that yeah where'd you where do you live now so i'm in virginia okay yeah, like, where'd you grow where'd you grow up i grew up in virginia too so i'm not far okay. from grew up in my hometown so i'm literally on a tip of you know we're like we're uh north carolina virginia tennessee and west virginia yeah. together that's where my area yeah. it's all like farmland rural towns not very big at all so yeah i know my dad owned a farm equipment dealership mm-hmm. and i grew up um him being a very successful entrepreneur right so and we spent a lot of time out in the country because he's one of 18 kids my mom's one of nine kids so there was lots of uh Lots of rural community connection and most of his siblings and my mom's siblings were farmers. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun out in the bush and, you know, out in the trails, fishing, yeah. hunting, all the others, you know, all the things. And then I never moved to this big city, which is only an hour away from where I grew up until uh, the late 80s. Right. So and then now I now I'm here, stayed here. My five kids are all growing up. I got four grandkids, another one on the way. And yeah, I like being close as close as I can. Not all my kids live in Alberta. So I don't know much, you know, about Canada. Some one of them lives in one of them lives in British Columbia. Uh, two of them actually are living in British Columbia. One's living on the coast and uh, on Vancouver Island, so on the Pacific Coast, which is right like Vancouver. British Columbia is right above California, right? So yeah, okay, that's right. I know where you're right. Talking. And Alberta is right above Montana. So right, I'm with you. So literally, I can be in the U.S. and if, if I jump in a vehicle, I'm in Montana in five and a half hours. Right? That's how long it takes me. That's not at all. Yeah, it's a lot of beautiful country out that way. Like as far as Montana, I've never been there, but everything I see on TV. And oh my gosh, the Rocky, yeah, the Rocky Mountains, brother. We got them all the way from. They start up here and go all the way down into the southern U.S. Right? So yeah. I've hiked in Montana. I've hung out there. I was just in Montana. Um, Last time I was there was in 2020, but I've been, yeah, I've been in Arizona last year. I was in uh, Salt Lake, like in Utah, been in California. Like I've been in a lot of U.S. states. Just you like traveling or you just want to, is that yeah, what like a, like, I, I like? Try to hit them all? Well, some, some of them, no, <laughs> no, not try to hit them all. Some of it, I've been in the finance industry for 19, this is my 20th year now, right? So I've been a captive speaker where I was, you know, I'd go down and speak at different events. Um, and I spoke at one event in Atlanta. I've spoken at events, um, you know, in California and, you know, so, and some of them were just conferences I went to. And when I go to a conference, if it's one, two days, I'm booking a week where I'm going or 10 days, sometimes two weeks. Right. 
Because yeah. I've been, even New Orleans, I was in a conference there in 2017. I'd never been there. And wow, I loved it. I was so glad I, I dragged my my son's my travel buddy. I'd take him around. If he's able to, I'd take him places with me. And we went early and went to Mardi Gras. Like the event was a couple of days. Went to Mardi Gras before the event. We showed up early a couple of days. And then we stayed like three, four days after the fact. And just stuff like that. Atlanta was the same thing. I had an event there and I went, uh, had a blast, right? just experiencing life because there's no promise tomorrow for any of us, it doesn't matter what age you are. So people forget to enjoy the journey. So I'm focused on my business. I'm focused on learning and also serving others when it's that opportunity to speak. But sometimes, you know, people are so, I hear people, they fly into whatever it is and they fly out. Even a family event, you know, they have people living across the country. And I think to myself, why would you put all that energy into two, three days. I get it. Some people can't, right. but a lot, a lot can, when I start talking to them, why would you say, well, I don't, well, I guess we should have life's in session. <laughs> like this isn't a dress rehearsal. We need to really take life serious and, and enjoy the journey, right? Yeah. Whatever our final destination we're trying to get to or multiple destinations, that's great. But along the way, there's memories and, and the journey that people let slide by. Yeah. And in my industry of finance as a financial professional, doing lifestyle and finance coaching, like I said, into my 20th year, I've spent a lot of time listening and helping people with their six inches between their ears. And they don't have the realization because we are pattern learners. We learn from our, our environment, from when we're, our, you know, the little, the little Chris, all the way up to where Chris is now, you learn things, patterns sure. from your family, from your friends, from your school, patterns that are becoming indelible into your mindset, unless somebody helps you break that, I'm not saying it's all bad, but it helps you think differently. Look on the other side of that comfort zone. And that's where life is exciting. So I've been doing that for a long time. And that's why I wrote my book and um, in 2020, pardon me, and released in 2021, wrote it in 2020 was to let people understand that there's purpose in life, right? You can live a life on purpose and not by accident. I'm not saying those that are on a hamster wheel shouldn't stay there if that's really what they like. But most people don't know that they they don't know the opposite side. They don't know that there's an op, there's an opportunity to live a life that's different, and they're living that same pattern in life, and most of them are miserable. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've said it on here before, but I feel like that's kind of what one of the pros was of COVID was. You know, everyone was running off this momentum, and then life came to a halt, and people got that. And I can speak for me on this, you know, you came to a halt and you actually got to sit back and rethink about how things were going. You know, it's just like, you know, where's the last 10 years? What was I doing with my life? You know, is this what I wanted? Yeah. yeah. You know, and this is kind of why I started this podcast is because it was like, you know, it's like, man, this is, am I really happy? Is this really where I want to go? Is this, you know, can I want to start something new, you know, and actually think about things, talk about these thoughts and feelings like with someone like you and, uh, and so explore ideas, you know, and just, you know, and figure out where my life journey is. Well, stretch outside your, because really life success, most people don't know if they're having a successful life. And in my life, everything, whether it's my, I live by three core values of faith, family, work, my success at those three has always been outside of my comfort zone. When I'm comfortable, I'm blinded by what's going on in those three. I'm just, I'm just on that hamster wheel. Yeah. And, And, you know, and again, I'm not on, I'm not on here to, preach to people and say, Hey, your life sucks. But if you even have a tinge within your, within your mind, your body and your soul, like you feel a little bit of a tingle and you're wondering, you know, 
is there more to life? What, what other options do I have? Sure. You know what? Reach out to people, talk to people. Yeah. yeah. There's people like I've been doing it. This is my 20th year goal setting with people and helping them understand that they can have more out of life. And I wish I would have had This is going to sound so at your age that you are, you're 36, you said. Yeah. I wish I had me at your age. When I when I was your age, I wish I would have had me now. My life experiences, and I'm not smarter listeners than any of you. The difference between Chris and I is I'm farther in the journey of life, and I've taken mistakes that have happened, and there's been lots of them, <laughs> and I've and I've and I've actually reset and pivoted away from them to convert them into life lessons and use those life lessons to, you know, uplift my life. And sometimes those life lessons that I learn, I still make that same mistake again. Well, then I analyze, I correct, I move forward. I, you know, there's never a moment in my life where I don't figure I can't fix something. Some sure. days I get stuck in a rut. I get stuck in the valley of despair. I, I, I'm in quiet desperation because I, I feel trapped. I'm not sure how to deal with stuff. Those moments aren't as frequent as they were at your age. Right? Yeah. And I'm not saying you're even there. I'm just saying at your age, that's where I was. I was yeah. right. I was just getting into the finance industry back at your age and trying to figure things out. And, you know, I was became in that period of time back in a way to became a single dad of my five kids. I was at joint custody. All of a sudden I was a full-time dad of them. And, you know, it's so easy for parents, especially to fall into despair and quiet desperation and not realize what, what are my options? What can I do? Well, society is so full of negativity, our associations to the news media, social media, our friends, our family, you know, instead of giving us advice that we need those mediums, they're giving us stuff to feed how we feel, to keep us trapped, to keep us caught. They're not, they're not trying to give us information to uplift us. Sure. Like, right. So we get trapped in it. And I seen it, I see it getting worse. And I coach a lot of lifestyle coaching for people six inches before we can even get to their finance structure to make sure their finance life is solid for today, tomorrow, and you know, inevitable of estate planning. They need to work in their six inches. They need to understand what do they really want, yeah. and how many people get asked that. What do you really want, Chris? What what what's your drive? What's what gets you up in the morning? And those days that you can't get up, Chris, maybe we need to help you reprogram a little bit so that you have that jump that yeah, step sure. yeah right a lot of it has to do with gratitude most people don't have it you know what you said that's one of my most favorite quotes that most men live lives of quiet desperation and that was something you know i learned that you know i just felt like you know what does you know, what was getting me up in the morning what did, what motivated me why was i going to work every day what was doing it just to put you know get a paycheck and put food on the table yeah that's fine and all but was i really happy doing all that stuff you know and um you know, I still think about it, but I mean, I'm very, you know, fortunate. I got a great job that I like and, you know, I can do this on the side and I get to go to do my workouts every day. And that's, you know, I got great friends and family. So yeah, very fortunate compared to most people. And sometimes I feel like I get on here and just, you know, make it sound like I'm, I don't know, maybe not as fortunate as I am because of starting this and all that. But yeah, you know, like I get to do all those things and you don't, I think most people don't realize how fortunate they are compared to others, you know, just based off that, where they get to actually get up and like you said, get out of bed just because they are healthy enough to do that. You know? Oh gosh. Like that's, that's another thing I, I wish I would have learned way sooner than I have. And that's before I even get out of bed. Like this morning I was laying in bed 
my dogs laying beside me on the other pillow and, 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 you know, just having gratitude, just, yeah. you know, saying, Hey, and like, for me, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a faith bearing person. So those that aren't just thank the universe that you woke up, sure. thank whatever you believe in. It doesn't matter to me. I don't, my label doesn't have to be your label. My judgment doesn't have to be your judgment. All I'm saying is that appreciate the fact that your eyes opened up, you woke up, and I say, I do little gratitude exercises it's as simple as, you know, thank you for letting me be able to swing my legs off the bed and plant my feet. My feet are grounding me on this earth and my legs allow me to walk forward. My arms allow me to do something as simple as wash my face, brush my teeth, sure. you know, take care of myself when I shower and people go, well, that's not important. Well, yes, it is important. There's a lot of people that don't have what you have. Even right. if you're at the, like I have clients that are so trapped within their six inches financially. And I'll say to them, well, I, you know, go through stuff. And, and I do a lot of work on this, on their heart and their mind. Cause it's not, I'm not a transactional person. I'm a relationship person that wants to help build up people because I seen what the traditional world industry of finance was doing for people. Their financial planning was transactional. Mine's relationship. I want to help people feel healthier and better about themselves. The transaction comes sometimes months after. Yeah. Honestly, that I start with my clients where we get to that point and, you know, I'll just coach them. You know what? Yes, your situation's terrible. We'll go, we'll do, I do a very detailed budget with them. And, you know, we get down to the points of their numbers and they're, they're struggling. And I'll say to them, you know what? You should be really happy and proud. Why do you say that? You got a roof over your head. You got one vehicle to drive. You have, you know, you're, you got groceries in the fridge. Yes, you have months where you have more month, more days in the month than you do money. But we can fix that. Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. You don't have to go on this journey and the path of life alone anymore. And I've had clients, the same clients for going into my 20th year that have not left me. And they're not just they're not just my clients. They're my friends. Right. Yeah, because cool. everybody, everybody's life that touches mine and I touch theirs. I'm looking for connection. I'm looking for unity. Chris and I, after this conversation, may not talk for months, maybe a year or whatever, but you've given me part of you and I've given you part of me. And if there's a connection, which I feel there is, you could reach out to me a year from now. We could talk and it would be like we hadn't, it was yesterday. Exactly. And that's what I'm always looking. I'm looking to, I can't wait to talk to Chris again, whether it's tomorrow or a year from now. And I hope I feel still the same feeling in others. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, what little I know about, you know, I know you said you've learned a lot through your life, you know, your life path, your life experiences so far, but you know, you, like you were an IT consultant at one point, correct? And you're kind yes, of, yes, I owned a consulting firm. Yeah. Yeah. I owned, yeah. You want, you want to hear that story? How Like I want to hear like how, cause you know, I work in IT for, you know, a higher education here where I'm at, but. Oh, okay. I worked in the, I worked in the school systems. I worked for, well, I'll start the story. So okay. I went to. I was a young guy, quiet desperation, struggling, and I noticed an ad in the paper. And the ad in the paper was looking for people to work in monitoring station for an alarm company, like a certified UL listed monitoring station where you're in a bunker. There's no windows. It's got multiple doors to get in, cameras and that because you're monitoring alarms. You're monitoring jewelry stores, fires, uh, monitor. Like I did all this stuff. 
Well, before this guy hired me, I went in and seen him. He was very, I'm still friends with him, by the way. And this same guy has mentored me to go into two different other careers in the last 30 years. It's just, he's, he's, he's amazing. His name's Terry. And he, I went into his office. He's got a thousand dollar suit on. He's got the fancy Rolex. He's blah, blah, blah. And he says, you know what, man, your resume is great, but you're not going to survive in that monitoring station. I said, dude, I am desperate. I need a job. Right. I, I, I'm like at my wits end. I'm literally, I'm starving to death. Help me out. Okay. I'll hire you, but you're, you know what? Um, monitoring station is full of women. You're going to get eaten up and spit out. He said, because they're caddy toward one another. They fight all the time. He says, I have a hard time keeping people in there. He says, but I'm willing to experiment and see if a guy can settle some things down. Well, and I said, okay. And he says, but he says, I like the fact of your stick to and your, you know, your tenacity, and I'm going to pull you out to install alarm systems because I figure you might last seven, eight months in there, right. eight and a half months. I lasted. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled me out, started to put me under his wing and started training me to, to install closed circuit cameras, card access, all these different types of things that his, his uh, alarm company did. And he, throughout that process encouraged me to go back to school. He says, you're too, he says, go back to school, learn all this stuff, come back, work for me. So I went into electronics engineering at a college here. And two years later, there's a lot of stuff in between there where we stayed in touch and I helped him out on stuff. I graduated, but I didn't go back to work for him. And it wasn't because I didn't like him because I had already learned too much along with my already, my tenacity and my ability to my hunger for knowledge there wasn't enough. I could already see going back. There would be stagnant for me. Okay. So I ended up um, going and working for a company called Canadian Standards Association. In the U.S., you have underwriters um, laboratory, and they certify everything, all your electronics, their toilets, your anything safety related. And uh, I worked for them. And one day, I was only there a few months. They hired me to work in their lab. And to be, to, to test products, I got to blow up things. I got to ignite things on fire. It was so cool, right? Every little kid's dream, right? So they ended up, I heard somebody in the hallway, they were having problems with their, their networking system, their, their mainframe computers com- communicating to the Eastern part of the country. And I said, I piped up. I was pretty confident in myself. I said, you know what? I'm pretty good with computers. Um, you know, Give me a shot. Maybe I can figure it out because they couldn't get their normal company to come out for a week and all their systems were down. So I said, well, let me give me a shot. So what do I need? You know, give me your books on this system. What do you need done? Explain it all to me. Give me the books and I'll figure it out. Literally 48 hours later, I had gone through all the books, stayed up late, figured it out. And I said to him, I said, okay, I need to come in after hours. Give me permission for the security company that you utilize so I can come in. And, and I need two evenings, two evenings later, I had all their system up. I put in a bunch of more terminals, did a whole bunch of cabling and wiring for them. I'd never done it before ever. Right. Fast forward about five months later, I couldn't keep up to the amount of work I had picked up after hours on my days off. Yeah. Plus working that job that I had to quit working for them as one of their, one of their uh, lab techs. And I took that home-based computer company that I had started I brought on a partner and I went out and I bought another uh, firm that had a service company, had a retail storefront and, uh, and a consulting arm. I bought that. Right. So from there, from there, 
I did that for, you know, a long time. I did a lot of consulting work for, I consulted work for uh, a school division for quite a while. I consulted for our, our government. I consulted for the police force in Edmonton. I did work for them because eventually I closed down the retail arm. It was too much headache trying to compete with the best buys of the world. I don't doubt it. Yeah. yeah. So it was really, even though I was the first, I was, I was the, because of my experience and my tenacity, my computer company, I became the first certified builder of computers in our province. So I could sell to government. I could sell to hospitals because they were intrinsically safe because I knew the standard because I worked right. at Canadian Standards Association. So I used my knowledge to build a very high end, not the cheaper brand that the companies built Best Buy and stuff like that. But um it was a very niche market. I, I built custom CAD stations for engineers. Like that was, I was the guy certified. I was the guy doing all that stuff. I had techs doing repair, basic repair and stuff, but all the high end stuff, I was, it was all on me. So fast forward, I ended up um, having some health issues in 2001. So the year 9 11 happened. And I had doctor and a neurologist tell me I had to quit doing it. It was, I was taking it too personal. I was working on the weekends, a lot of hours. Yeah, because in that period of time, I also became a a global internet security specialist, which it's called GIAC, and it's certification actually out of the U.S. Now it's available everywhere, but they were starting to certify people in Canada. And that certification, I was setting up firewalls, servers, doing all this stuff, but it would be on weekends. And I'd have teams of people that they'd hire me as a consultant to take care of their teams, their staff. And it was stressful. Mm-hmm. Ended up taking, you know, I had some health issues. 2002 rolled around that same buddy that I worked for in the alarm situation. He hired, he reached out to me and said, hey, you're, you know, I'm in the finance industry now because he said, you know, I'm doing this for a while. And I knew what he was doing. We kind of stayed in touch. I think you should do it. I think you'd be great at it because you like building relationships and you're tenacious. You will learn everything there is to do it. You won't be the typical person like you weren't typical in my industry, in the alarm industry. You always want to know everything. Yeah. So he encouraged me to check it out. And he said, well, we'll train you. But first and foremost, we're going to help you with your own mess. (laughs) We're going to help you get a little bit more focus and more direction. That's cool. So, yeah. So in 2002, I pushed them off here and there because I was, you know, joint custody of my kids. I called called up a guy locally and I says, well, what do I have to do? I want to write on Monday. Well, you've been studying? Nope. Well, that's impossible. I said, I'm going to write Monday. Well, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to write Monday. Don't worry about how I'm going to do it. And I had my kids that weekend. So I went into the blockbuster, rented a bunch of tapes, movie after movie after movie. (laughs) As they're sitting, one sitting on my lap, they're little kids and I'm studying. They'd go to bed. I'd study all night and get a couple hours of sleep. I dropped them off at their mom's on a Sunday night when my, when my time was up with them, I studied all night, went in Monday, wrote it and passed. And I was so confident I passed that I paid the, I paid the fee on the Friday, which is non-refundable. It was a hundred dollars back, you know, twenty sure. years ago. It was a hundred dollars, which is a lot of money for a single dad. And I wrote the exam and passed it. And uh, literally within six weeks, I fired my trainer because I didn't like the fact that everything was about numbers and transactions, and I didn't feel the human element. I started training myself. 
reached out to different people that within our office that I was in that I seen had some of the things I liked. And I started picking like a buffet. That's how I treat life. I, you know, I like this. I don't like this. Yeah, that's why I, treat yeah, I agree. Like 100%. I agree 100%. And I started training within the first year. So from September 2002 till about uh, September 2003, I only made $8,000 in commissions because commission-based business. Okay. From September till March, I made 140 grand. So from September 2003 to March 2004, I made 140 grand. So six months, 140 grand. Nice. Yeah, broke, broke into the top 10 for North America for the company, not just Canada. And yeah, a few years later, I got tired of it. I was a branch compliance officer. I got my certifications to branch other people. Got tired of it, started my own agency up in uh, 2007, had it ever since. And then it's morphed into the fact that I'm, my industry goes like this based on the economy, right? Feast or famine, right? So Mm -hmm. I got tired of that in 2020, similar to yourself, I decided like, what am I going to do? I've been kind of sitting in the valley of despair, just comfortable, decided to write my book, um, launched a podcast in all the 2020s um, and then wrote the book. And that came out March of last year, became an Amazon bestseller. And and the book basically is very simplistic. You can see it over my wall. That that, that's from my publisher. He did that for me and shipped it to me. My publisher's out of, out of Pittsburgh. Okay. And uh, he sent it to me. And when it became an Amazon bestseller, right. So you can see it a little bit up closer, right. How to win life on purpose. Right. And not by accident. So I knew all this information. And one of my fears and one of the things that really drove me, Chris, is I wanted to be a person that left a legacy. Well, a legacy is uh, is designed as you're living. Sure. It just doesn't happen on its own. So I figured, you know, the book is from my origin from wee little Dwight. And that's how my podcast is focused on the origin up to where you are today. And that takes a person through a journey. Three-hour read, 150 pages, tells people that you too can be successful. Here's what I went through. And I talk about my health issues in there and specifics and name what it is and you know, and just the stuff that I went through. And I want so if I died tomorrow, my kids have all my podcasts. My grandkids that aren't even living yet have my book, my podcast. Yeah. I did li- I did live videos for two years from March 1st, 2020 till March 3rd of 2022. I did a live video every single day. Now I still do videos every day, but now I record them. It, it, it just, it's too much pressure, right? <laughs> Thinking of topics every day, but they can go find that too. It's all on the internet. That's cool, man. That's right? that's a great idea. That's real cool to do. I mean, just you know, like I love that living, leaving your legacy behind, and leaving information and the way I did things and where you did things and stuff like that. But uh, you know, you said earlier in the podcast that your dad was an entrepreneur. I believe. Did you always, you know, have that entrepreneur kind of spirit in you, like to just know to do things like that, like an intuition, I guess? Or well, that's a great question. See, the thing is, so when I was younger, I didn't realize what an entrepreneur was. Most of us don't. I agree. I, I see my dad being a workaholic. I get up in the morning. He'd still be sleeping or part of me. I would still I would wake up in the morning. He'd be at work. Yeah. I said that wrong. I go to bed at night. He'd still be at work. Very successful business. And the farm implement dealership was one of the top in Canada for many, like a decade. He was just, he was very tenacious, wanted to provide for his family. Remember he was one of 18 kids. Mm-hmm. So he, he had that scarcity mindset. 
being scared that he was going to lose it all. Right. So I didn't see him a lot. So initially I thought, I don't want to ever have a business. Right. But when I look back, I learned a lot from my dad. My first entrepreneur experience was being a paper boy, having to get up, having to deliver papers, having to go around door to door. Today's they don't have that, but I go door to door and I'd have to collect money and give them change. And I'd have to have the little, here's a little ticket for paying. Mm-hmm. And I, had, I was running my own little business, had my own spending money because my dad believed you always, you want extra, you go earn it. I'm not doing it for you. All my sisters and I, my two, I have two older sisters, we all have jobs growing up like through high school. I was the only one that worked for him though. Um, I did work for him um, from about the time I was 12, 13 in the summers. You're not staying at home. Get your ass here. I need stuff. You go pick parts, go count this, go clean this up, go push brooms, go do whatever. And, and he, t- he didn't treat me rude. He didn't treat me mean, but he didn't treat me any better than anybody else. He was just fair. You know what? I don't care if you're my kid, get out there and do that. He taught me a work ethic. So, so the reason I talk about all this is building up to the fact that he was setting me up to be an entrepreneur before my mind was ready for it. If that makes sense. It does make sense. And and the different patterns that he was teaching me, the work ethic, working hard, getting the job done, always doing the job right the first time. And if the first time you can't, you don't beat yourself up. You don't say negative things to yourself. You dust yourself up, pick yourself up, do it again, do it again until you get it. Right. Sometimes you're going to get a pattern. You'll get it done the first time. It might take 10 times, five times, whatever. Right. So he, he, he did, he modeled. So I think the first time I realized I wanted to be my own entrepreneur is when I was working at Canadian standards association, when I was doing their computer stuff for them and realizing that, wow, the, the excitement I felt, Chris, the, the energy I felt and the satisfaction you can feel when you control your own ship when you're the pilot yeah you're the one that you know and you might have people around you that are co-piloting and directing and mentoring and coaching you like i had which i've been blessed to have in my life but i was my own captain if i decided to turn that wheel the boat's going this way or the plane's going that way right yeah if it's sure. the wrong direction who's responsible yourself person to look in the mirror so okay. I, I think that's when i realized that i wanted to be an entrepreneur and i just have never stopped since Right. Yeah. I've been a serial entrepreneur. I left that computer industry. I was doing well in it, but it was a health thing and pivoted. Like who would think that you go from computers, IT, to going into finance, right? They're yeah. not like polar opposites. Yeah, no, we got a similar story. Um, where do I want to start at? You know, so, I mean, hopefully I don't miss my thought here, but yeah, well, you know, growing up, I was never my, you know, my parents worked and, you know, we, they did okay and everything, but you know, the the standard middle-class stuff, but you know, we never had the, you know, I was kind of like you, I never had entrepreneurship in my family. Didn't even know what it was basically. And it was always inscribed to me and that if you go to school, go to college, you'll be successful and all that. So that was a path I took just because it was always pushed. Like, you know, you don't want to punch a clock every day. You know, you don't want to be standing on concrete all day working in a factory. You actually want to be in a desk. And, you know, and there's a lot of truth to that too, but there's also that you can, you know, go a different route and still be successful like you. And just, um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, as I, once I graduated with my master's degree, I started to learn that, 
you know, it just wasn't education that always gets you the job. It's kind of like your skill set and your experiences in life and what you've been doing and what you can bring to the table, obviously. And, you know, and that's one thing that I was like, well, you know, I want to, you know, I don't always have to do, you know, the said thing that what the cultural norm is just to be successful, I guess. And, you know, and I, you know, when I got my first job, I was in, you know, recreation and stuff. And now I work in IT, you know, which was like, how did you get a job in IT? And I was like, well, you know, you just learn some stuff and you just part of it's hard work and part of luck. But part of it's just, you know, knowing the right people. But that's, that's what people that's what you project, though, like your energy, even over Zoom call is pre- the projection of who you are is probably why you were easily able to transition. That's what I it's feel who like. you are as a person. Yeah, And I like learning and I like, you know, if I don't know something, I like figuring it out. And that's one of my things. And then. You know, and I've always like this has gotten instilled onto me in college from one of my family members. It was like, you know, I know you might go party. I know you might drink. I know you're probably going to be, you know, doing that kind of thing. And it's like, okay, but whatever you do, just still show up, go to class. If you're hungover, whatever, just show up and do that. And that, you know, and I take that with me even today, just show up and do the work. You know, just show up and even grind it out. Even if you're having a bad day, you're having a great day, whatever. You, that's a lot of part of success to me is to still show up, grind it out, be consistent create that habit of just keep the motion flowing. And just even though you like, like you said, you might fail a couple of times, whatever, learn from it, keep moving forward. Yeah. It's easy to get stuck in that rut though, because I had those college days where I should have probably got up and I was hung <laughs> over and, <laughs> because, and, and you know, when I went through electronics, that wasn't the case. Electronics was a, was a different program. Originally I went to college for computer engineering. Right. Um, and I was young, grew up in a small community. Now all of a sudden I'm in the big city and I'm reaching and finding associations of people and we're going out clubbing every night. And I'd, I'd be so hung over. Even if I wanted to go to, I wouldn't be, wouldn't have been able to go. So I went to those <laughs> patterns and then a few, then I met that gentleman that encouraged me to go back to school into electronics engineering. And we decided that was a, well, it was, I decided, but really it was, we decided because he was very pushy. He's very, cause he cares so much. Right. So, you know, I didn't go through that the next round, but the first round I can, I probably should have been that guy, like toothpicks holding my eyeballs open <laughs> in the class. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm glad you're talking about patterns just because I finished, uh, a book atomic habits by james clear and that's, that's a good book mo- yeah. yeah yeah really good book and uh you know a lot of that resonated with me just in, you know, doing little things and building habits and just you know if you're making a positive habit rather than you know these negative habits where you just keep doing the same thing and you can't keep going downward into a downward spiral and it's just you know like we've been saying kind of five ten years later you wonder what went wrong but you know if you do all these positive habits you know positive things in your life whatever that is and then even though you might not be getting what results you want right now, but if you look at it down the road, you know, you might start to see that return on your investment of what you're putting in and all that good stuff. So yeah, but yeah, it's a really good book. And I'm, you know, a lot of people should probably, it seems pretty clear and seems pretty, uh, I guess, cliche that that's a path, a path of it, but a lot of people don't seem to realize that, you know, they just, Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. They just go through their momentum every day and, you know, just look forward. They get stuck on the hamster wheel. Yeah, get, yeah, exactly. Get stuck on the hamster wheel. Then they just look forward to getting home and just, you know, having, you know, that big fatty burger or whatever. Then they're like, oh, well, I don't understand why I'm overweight. Well, look what you've been doing for the past year, man. Just well, keep yourself like this. And, you know, that's why you're not feeling good. That's why you're you're mentally not having this brain fog, I guess, you know. And Well, and that's why, re- that's why disease is so rampant. 
most disease because you know remember in the industry i mean i do i do life insurance and stuff for people i deal with underwriters i've got underwriters that are uh i wouldn't necessarily say friends but they're acquaintances enough where we communicate i've been to conferences on it most things that people think and they'll say well my family had that so i'm gonna have it well most of it's patterned learned behavior and nutrition lack of uh good nutrition lack of exercise just it, and it's so, yeah, if your family can have some diabetes can be uh, somewhat genetic, but most people that are diabetic, it's nutrition based. Sure. And so if your dad and mom had it, it's because you learned how to eat like them sure. pattern and you follow that. Um, as a side note, I'm in the middle of about I'm just about done it, about 80 percent done it. Um, book that came out in 2016, which was written in 1938 by Napoleon Hill, Outwitting the Devil. Um, Napoleon Hill is, you know, Think and Grow Rich, which is such an amazing book. But Think and Grow Rich was based on other people's experiences. Remember, he he interviewed a bunch of wealthy people, found out and took it all, put it into a book and projected it. Right. He put it out in the world. Still one of the most referenced books on the planet, Think and Grow Rich. But he wrote a book that his family allowed to be released in 2016. And I'm listening to it on Audible. And why? Because I had, I had heard that it was amazing because what he's doing is um, Napoleon Hill is interviewing the devil. And he asked some tough questions about life, about schooling, about family, about everything that I, you and I have been talking about. And he talks about patterns. And he talks about, uh, he defines things in different definitions. And it's just blowing my mind. I'm listening to it and I'll rewind to listen to that part again. And I've taken notes. I have one note on my phone. I've pulled over and <laughs> write some notes down. Or some I'll, do, I'll do that too. But why do I do that? Because it helps when I'm doing videos. When I'm dealing with people or doing videos or whatever, it gives me thought processes. It gives exactly. me clarity. It makes, you know, I'm never going to arrive, Chris. I need to constantly tell myself that I have not arrived because when we arrive, we camp in life. And mm -hmm. camping in life for a short period of time out in the bush with a fire and some hot dogs, great, but mentally camp, that's a kiss of death. And that means you're going to be stuck on the hamster alive. So that's a book I'd recommend your listeners and you pick it up. The reason I like Audible is I can listen while I drive. I can listen. I can be sitting here working on stuff that that's, you know, it's like an automatic process and I'll have a book on and I'll be listening to whatever I've listened to right, so many good books, but that's the one that had resonates so much what you and I are talking about patterns and stuff. And it's just, it's absolutely shocking and amazing. And that he wrote it in 1938 and he, if he would have released it at the time, he probably would have been stoned lynched i don't doubt it it's called outwitting the devil outwitting yeah. outwitting the devil yeah napoleon hill outwitting the devil it's about 20 bucks on on uh, audible um but yeah. i like it because you got that you got the devil's voice and then you got <laughs> napoleon hill it's just it's well, it's I, remarkable i got read it down i do the same thing when i say i read a book i always do audiobooks i mean that's me, me too bro i mean it's so easy you know i can go take the dogs for a walk and just you know listen to it as I do it. You can do things around the house while reading or listening to the book, I guess. But yeah. And then, yeah, I like it that way better for me. You know, well, I, mean, I gotta, I gotta do mine. I've been procrastinating. I get bugged by so many people to do mine, but see, the thing is, is I don't want to hire somebody to do it. If you I'm reading it, it yourself. Yeah. I think I've, I've got a decent enough voice that I should be able to resonate with people and it's your words. Why not? Yeah. I mean, why should you pay some 
actor got to do it just because, you know, they can or whatever. Yeah, it's your stuff. You read it. I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, and and it's the connection to the story. Do you know how hard it was to write that book? Like people that are thinking of writing a book, go ahead and do it. But I'm telling you right now, it's very, I use this word cathartic because it was very healing for me. There was things I had compartmentalized and stuck into my brain and putting it down, right? Having the production, or pardon me, the publisher I was working with and, and, and struggling and dealing with the editor and changing parts of the book, even days up to releasing it, I was thinking of changing stuff mm-hmm. in my book, <laughs> right? And it, it was very cathartic. It was Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. An amazing journey. I would recommend everybody do it. But when I actually do record it as an audible product, it's going to have my tonality. I can't guarantee you when I'm reading it that I won't break up, right? There's going to be, there's some sensitive stuff in there. It's tough being vulnerable, but I think if you really want to be a leader of others, and what I mean by that, when you serve others, you become a natural leader. But in order to be a natural leader of others, where they want to know, like, and trust you, you need to be vulnerable and our society doesn't know how to do that because they're afraid when we're vulnerable that people are going to hold it against them or make fun of them. And it's really hard to train our minds not to care about the opinions of others. So I always tell people, always remember this little phrase, you know, don't let the opinion of others become your reality. Hmm. Very simple, right? Not hard. Because if you live a life of always wondering what that other person's thinking about you and they're not thinking about you, They're not. They're living their life. And all it does is create a sense of worry and anxiety. And it eats and consumes you. Guess what? That also affects your health. Yeah. No, I agree 100%, man. Just, you know, with vulnerability, I feel like you have to have, you know, I've learned to have humility too in in doing these podcasts just because, you know, I I tend to, before it was always kind of worried. That's growing growing up. I think it was kind of like you were talking about, you know, behaviors and patterns, you know, my, no, I don't. I, I won't say I'll, I'll tell you after the show. But, you know, I had family members who were just always conscious of, you know, what whatever they did, you know, was it going to be the right thing? Was it going to be the wrong thing? What would people say about them? And, 
you know, and then I guess that was just got instilled in my mind at a young age. And I always thought about the back of my head and I was always worried about, you know, going to school, you know, what am I wearing? You know, people want to make fun of me today and stuff. But finally, me, yeah, I suffered that too, brother. Yeah, dude. And it was like, and, and even like having conversations, you know, like tough conversations, you know, we're not tough, you know, but if we got on certain topics, like, you know, political religion, um, you know, Roe v. Wade, like right now, you know, I'll be the guy that's kind of slide away and like i was afraid to speak up and say something just because what if i say the wrong thing you know what if i piss somebody off you know what if i look like an idiot and they're not your tribe exactly but always remember that listeners they're not your tribe yeah i was always like that growing up and even even in college man and just like we had these big discussion things in one of my classes and i was was always one of the ones to afraid to you know speak my opinion just because i was so afraid what people would think and you wanted to be liked yeah, exactly. You want you want to be the popular. You want to be the cool guy. You don't want nobody to be upset with you. And you know, and I don't. You know, nobody wants to have have comfort, confrontation. I would think, unless you're just a monster and you just love it. You know, but I, I, you know, I've never done well with that. But that was when one of the things I kept thinking about when starting this podcast too was just like, hey, you know, you're really going to open yourself up to here. You're putting everything you're saying to the world right now, and you got to be ready for what you might get back, and you can't worry about it. And that's kind of what we were saying. Either you know, you got to get out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to grow, and that's you know, why I like this. And I feel like in this life and everything else you do, you got to have these humbling and experiences to know that, all right, well, you don't need to get too big of an ego. You need to have this thing to learn from your mistakes. Like, you know, I've had a couple of bad podcasts, you know, and it's like, all right, you know, I learned from a mistake. You know? Yeah. You said that wrong. You did that stupid. You know, that didn't go very, that didn't go well at all, dude. Like, what were you doing? So, yeah. So just learning to be like, all right, okay. You learn from mistakes. Keep moving. Realize, realization, self-awareness is what you're talking about. There you go. And that makes me proud to know you because <laughs> I'm serious. It's, and it's, and I never give a compliment unless I'm, I mean it. it, you know, the more you get to know me in the future, you'll understand that self-awareness is tough, man. Like people listening, you know, we're not expecting you to just be able to snap your fingers and change. Sure. It takes effort. And the journey of creating uh, a different mindset is difficult. You need to change your associations to what you listen to, what you read, who you hang out with. And, well, Dwight, I can't stop hanging out with family. Sure you can. You can fire your family, but hang out with them still. And here's what I mean. People say, well, how do you do that? I said, well, I'll tell, my, I'll tell people, you know what? I got family that I go and see. I go a half hour before I, you know, the meal. I'll ask him when meal is. I'll stay for a half hour after and I exit stage right. Nice. Right. And, and I'm not being disrespectful. I have small talk. It's okay to protect you. That's the biggest thing we forget in order to serve others, even our families, our friends, our clients, our, our employer, or empl- you know, as an employee, we need to be right. We need to protect ourselves first and foremost. It doesn't make us an egotist. It doesn't make us um, selfish. It means that we care about ourselves to be healthy so that we can know, like, and trust ourselves. If we don't do that, other people can't do it, right? Right. We can't live a life that's a facade. Most of the people, if you opened up their door of their lives and walked in, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, turn around and run. Because they've got so many demons in their brains. They're living one moment in the depression and, and literally the next moment in anxiety. They're, they're set, there's so much confusion. And our associations are so important. You know, like you're in a bad mood. You go listen to a depressing song. How is that helping you? 
right? You watch a depressing movie or you watch people watch, like I like television. I like movies. You and I talked about it, but it's entertainment for a reason. It's I'm not living vicariously in their lives, right? Where people talk about it. It's just like sports. Uh, you know, tonight's game seven for our sports team uh, going against LA. Edmonton Oilers is playing against them and people are, I've had a little bit of anxiety because they lost and then they win. And, but at the end of the day, I reached out to a guy that was really depressed about it this week. And I said, it's entertainment. Yeah. If they fail, yes, I'm going to be disappointed in them, but next yeah. Right. I'm not yeah, going to wallow yeah, in that yeah, crap. Yeah, you can't you wallow can't. in your family's garbage, your friends, your business. You can't wallow in that stuff. Next. Yeah. That's one of my favorite, you know, another one of my favorite quotes, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And you know, you got to, that's when you got to look around and say, well, who are the five people I hang around the most? And, you know, are they all going down these downward bad patterns in life? And then why is that part of the reason why I'm doing the same? Yeah. You know, if you're hanging out with a bunch of idiots and you're, you're probably going to be, you know, and, and that's no disrespect to anybody, but then if you're wondering why you, you know, if you, why you're not successful or why you're, you know, having a bad day or why, you know, the cards you got, or, you know, you got dealt bad or whatever. It's probably because, you know, look around you, what are you doing? And then, you know, if you're blaming it on everybody else, you know, it's all, it's always, you know, it's their fault. You know, it's a reason, you know, it's the reason that that's the reason they lost the game and it's, you know, it's never nobody's own fault. Right. But, you know, if you start to look at and take a look at your, you know, like self-awareness and look at yourself, like, what am I doing? You know, maybe I shouldn't go, you know, if you want to, you know, learn to I know your body triggers. That's another thing about self-awareness. Body I'll add your body triggers. Think about how you're feeling when somebody talks and when, or what, or if you're just listening to something or you're reading a book, I, I went through this. Um, I bet you this was 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. When I went through a divorce, I was, I was, you know, going to into a men's group, into a counseling group to try to understand what I was feeling. And they, the guy leading the group, talked a lot about body triggers, right? And tonality. And yeah. and one of the, I figured my biggest body trigger, Chris, my chest. When I'm suffering from anxiety and I'm not liking what I'm hearing, my chest gets tight, right? Okay. I my, my shoulders are up. So I started tr training myself to figure those out. And now I watch for those body triggers in other people. When I'm having a conversation, I can trigger to whether or not they're, I, I'm I, what I'm saying is creating a state that's not fair to me to create. And then I'll learn, I've learned over time at again, that wisdom thing, make mistakes, life lessons, create wisdom. I've learned to be more cognizant of Chris so that I don't offend Chris because yeah. I want to have a relationship with Chris. Does it always work? No. But if I see Chris's shoulders go up, he steps back, even on a zoom call, if, a, if somebody's sitting back like this, yeah, if they're leaning forward. I know they're more into the conversation. Is it a hundred percent what I'm saying? No, but there's certain triggers, body triggers that we can look for: shoulders, leaning forward, leaning back, arms crossed. That now, makes you know, sometimes people's hands are cold. They cross their arms. Well, you can. There's a difference in how they cross their arms. I've noticed that too. Between just trying to be more comfortable to be standoffish, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, sure. Dealing with humans is work. And if you're on this planet and you want to actually interact, like I'm severely, it may not seem it, but I'm severely introverted. I've had to work for over 20 years to not be this way, cool. listening to books, talking to people, learning techniques so that I can, because when I am in a crowd of people, I find my energy is just drained, right? I have three, four hours. I can't wait to get 
get the hell out. Right. So, um, yeah, working on ourselves and getting to be better is a journey. And it's never, for me, it's never going to stop till I take my last breath because I owe it to everybody around me, but most importantly, I owe it to me. I owe it to me to, to understand and live a life. That's not always in the valley of despair, quiet desperation, mentally camped. I, I, I enjoy change and climbing. I can still be introverted and do that. I just, the five people, like you talk about, I'm very selective who I allow into my sphere. Now, as I get better, my five people is probably a hundred people. Oh, right. So you say five people, you can, you can expand on that. When you expand your mind and you start giving out that energy, you track people that are similar to you. And back to what I said earlier, I may not talk to Chris for a year, but when I do, it's like we were talking yesterday because we had a synergy. We had a connection. We have a unity. You're now one of my hundred, one of my 200, mm-hmm. right? Just because when you talk, we talk about five, don't forget listeners, you don't have to be always around that person. There's somebody that you know, like, and trust. Yeah. Always remember that. Can you know, like, and trust them? And, and I did mm-hmm. a video here. It had thousands of views. I did it on reels and I did it on TikTok. And I started it off like this. If you look it up, my hands like this. I live life with a 70-30 principle. Would you like to know what that is? I do want to know what that is. 70-30 principle. I'm friends with Chris. 70% of our interactions, whether they're frequent or infrequent, 70% of the time, I better be walking away going, damn, I like that guy. I can't wait to see him again. He makes me feel good. I don't have, I, I, I analyze my triggers. Are the triggers that I'm feeling because he, sensed, he said something that's my truth that I need to accept? Mm, okay. But is he saying stuff that's uplifting me? Is, that's all part of the good 70%. That's not a bad thing. Sure. Having that association that makes you think and is thought provoking and helps me have better self-awareness is somebody I want, not 70%. Right. So I can't wait to see Chris, but if, you know, and 30% of the time, eh, not so much. Chris is kind of a jerk this time. Maybe he's got something going on, but I understand that 30% of the time is Chris has got his own life going on. I don't know what's going on behind the door of his life. And I listen to the words. I watch what, how you're acting, what you're saying. And is it personal is what, and I, and yes, listeners, it takes work. You can't just accept everything as face value. And my brain's racing when I'm doing all this stuff. But 70% of the time, I can't wait to see you again. 30% of the time, ah, you know, we had an interaction. Maybe it was my fault. Take mm-hmm. onus. Maybe I was the issue and it wasn't Chris. Maybe Chris was right on track and I'm the bonehead. Mm-hmm. And do I do it all right then? Sometimes I can't. Sometimes it's when I take reflection, when I'm laying in bread, I say prayers and then I reflect on my day. But maybe that's when I reflect on it. But I usually try to reflect on it as soon as possible if it's causing any of my body triggers that I talked about, like with anxiety and stuff, right? Um, but yeah, 70, 30 principle, brother. Yeah, dude, I like that, man. That's, that makes total sense. And you know, and going along with what you said, I've interviewed somebody on here. She's a sportscaster for Seattle Manors. And she was actually talking about how 60% of what you're saying is not coming out of your mouth. That's usually just body language. So that makes perfect. When you said body triggers, you start talking about that makes perfect sense. You know, when you see somebody with their arms crossed and they're leaning in or forward back and got their arms in their pocket or their hands in their pocket. So, yeah, you know, and, um, you know, even with their stance and then when, how they're walking, you know, like they got a bad posture or whatever, but you stand up straight, you're walking, you know, kind of proud of yourself and not, you know, not too cocky or arrogant, but you know, confident and, 
you know, and talk about vulnerability again, that almost opens yourself up to being vulnerable, like walking like that, proud of yourself or whatever, but you're kind of saying you're ready to accept it, you know? Yeah. Confidence and cockiness aren't the same. That's another thing. Listeners, people don't get it. Exactly. I, I strive at being confident all the time because those around me deserve the best version of me. And again, I'm always going to say this, but I deserve the best version of me too. Yeah. Life's in session. Time, you can never get back. Time's always going. You can't control your time, but you can control as best you can your feelings, right? Um, what's What was the phrase I heard last night? Um, I actually put a note in here. <laughs> if you give me a second, I will actually... I'm going to read this to you. I put it in my OneNote last night. I used like, there's thousands of entries in here. Feelings are like waves. You can't stop them from coming, but you can choose which ones to surf. Ooh, I like right? that one. Feelings are like waves. You can't stop them from coming, but you can choose which ones to surf. Sure. I was just like, wow. All <laughs> <laughs> right. It was just off a show I was watching. People laugh. I'll pause something when we watch and I'll have family or friends over. I'll pause it and I'll go, what are you doing? I heard something I liked. I do this <laughs> movies and TV shows. If I hear a cool quote or something, it's like, oh, definitely. I'll write it down on my phone or like whatever I have right there with me. So yeah, it's, it's, I try to remember that and go reflect on it later. It's like, oh, that's a badass quote, man. Like, yeah, I got to remember that. That means something to me. It resonated something with me. So, you know. But do you know what it does too? I don't know if you've thought about this before. Maybe you have, but your listeners, I had people say, how do you come up with content all the time? Well, I decided I need to learn how to become a better listener. Mm. So I, and to be present in everything that I'm doing, if I'm giving my time to even watching a movie or hanging out, having a conversation with you, I am present. I am listening for those nuggets of information because otherwise i'm just an automaton on the wheel just you know listening and not really adding value to me mm -hmm. why am i watching something if it's not going to add even one nugget of information yes it could be pre-entertainment but if i can have entertainment and get a boom with some with a nice little quote like i got off of that show sure. resonated with me for sure right? for sure now i can have a conversation with it I can do a little one minute TikTok video or reels, or I can do a longer video, or I could do a podcast mm -hmm. on it, or I can bring it up in a show. Right. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, you know, in the early days, you know, I always thought about, you know, like, you know, am I ever going to run out of content, you know, like, but there's so much like, you know, you can do with it and there's listen. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, it's one of the biggest things that you can, there's so many topics to talk about. There's so much, many holes, you can roads you can go down on just, you know, with conversation and, you know, and the, and speaking of listening, that's one of the great things that this has kind of been a pro for me in doing like listening. And when you, you know, it's like a little dance that we're doing, you know, we didn't script this out. You know, when you got on this zoom call, I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. I did a little research on you, but you know, you could have been like, you know, one of those bad podcasts that you, you know, we were talking about before we actually started recording and that, you know, when you say something, you know, we were doing a little dance that I, I got something to come back with and we just go back and forth, you know, and that's life. That's yeah. a conversation, brother. Yeah. And I was like, this is, you know, like I'm podcasting all day long, just having conversations, you know, when I'm at the gym, when I'm at work, you know, and they might not be all great topics or whatever, but yeah, it's just like, hey, I'm podcasting all day. And then if I can do it on here and just throw it out there to the world and just, you know, thank out my thoughts and, you know, practice the art of conversation, if that's what it is. And it'll help me out. In all ways of life, not just, you know, creating content, but I can take this for networking with people, you know, actually have something to talk about rather than how's the weather, you know, man, that 12 mile an hour wind today. But, you know, you can go yeah. deeper with some people, you know. 
And it's cool. It's so cool. You know, and then, you know, like we, I don't know how long you and I've been talking, but you know, this magic happens and we about an hour and 10 minutes somewhere around there. Yeah. You know, you get lost in track and time and you're just like, you know, I said they usually go for an hour, but it's just so badass that, you know, that we're able to, you know, you're in Canada. I'm down here in Virginia. We're still even able to have a conversation like this. But, you know, what what's the next great thing about it, Chris? Is that people say, "Oh, I can't connect over video," and I'll say, "Well, I can. I can feel people's energy. I can watch their. I can still listen to their tonality. I can watch their body language. Right? I've had podcasts where if they don't, but you have to have a camera. Yeah. I'm not. Otherwise, you're not coming on my show because just to listen to somebody, they can control their tonality. They can be a facade." They can be somebody that's not real, right? Yeah. But when you're vulnerable and able to go on a camera, I can see, and and, and it's easier for me to know, like, and trust somebody, right? So, sure. I, agree. I, I I think anybody can connect over. I've I was just on a podcast. Um, what day was it? Guys in the UK. I've had people on my show from the UK more than once. I've done, and you talked about us how long we've been talking. I've had ones where I've had to split it up and do a part one, part two. (laughs) It just, it's, it's happened a couple of times just because they're such enthralling conversations. If that's the right word, they're just a great connection. And yeah, you know, and you know, I've had questions like that too, you know, is a podcast different in person compared, you know, virtually. And, and I've done very well doing, I mean, the majority I've done a couple in person and, but the majority of them are over zoom or, you know, whatever thing we're using at the time. And yeah, I'm like you, there's a, for the most part, I don't see much difference. You know, the more I do it, you know, the learn you. I think it's just kind of, you know, what what you plan to get, and are you making an actual connection with that human? Kind of like what you said, and this, and that's what makes the magic happen. You know, and absolutely. Just, and you, I guess you know, not everybody can connect with everybody. I mean, that's just how it is. But you know, with the ones you do, yeah, we're looking for our tribe, brother. We're hey, looking yeah. for our group, dude. Like seriously, people just we're not all meant to be connected, exactly. and that's okay. Exactly. Right there. That is life. I, you know, I look back and, and I have gratitude when I, you know, when I go to bed, I pray. And again, some people just have right reflection. I do praying and reflection. And I think back on the people that have been in my life that are no longer in that journey with me anymore, but I still have gratitude i'm grateful i have gratitude for them and say you know thank you for these people they helped me along the journey thank you for the people that are on my journey right now because they're helping me not be camped they're helping level me up they give me they give of themselves right more than i get like i give to them but they're just that type of personality and they're, they're they're thank you i have gratitude and i'm grateful for that sort of thing and so many people just forget that every person you meet in your life isn't there necessarily forever. Forget that saying, you know, but they're not there forever. They're sometimes they're just there for a short period of time. No. Yeah. You can, um, yeah, you, I've met people like that, you know, they've had, you know, a short impact on your life and they weren't there, you know, or I said that wrong. They've had an impact on your life, but they were only in your life for a short time. And yeah. And it was just kind of like, you still remember them from, you know, till this day. And whenever you met them, it's like, "Hmm, yeah, you know, Person A, he, you know, he, he he instilled that meaning onto me, that thought process on me, and you know, I don't see him now, but I still have something to go with and keep thinking about it. And oh yeah, cool. you know, and it's cool, you know. And then you have people who are in your lives forever and that you keep around, but then you know, you touched on this earlier. Those toxic people—they were the ones that it's hard to let go, but they're the ones that 
And I was like, hey, if you're not happy with him and the way the conversation's going with him, then it's time for a change. Which oh, absolutely. If everything out of their mouth is you tell them something exciting, they have something negative to say about it. Yeah. They're not they're not uplifting and they're they're a boat anchor, right? They're over your shoulder pulling you back. Yeah. It's time to cut the cord. Like honestly, yes, it's hard. I've had struggles where you know, somebody's done something good for me and I've allowed them because of it to control and be my pilot of what I am doing and interacting with them. When in reality, just because somebody does something once good for you, doesn't mean that you have to take it up to take it in the chin, you know, or up the butt 10 times. You just don't have to, you can live a life where, where you can appreciate what they did and move on. You don't owe anybody anything except yourself to live a happy, fulfilled life. Because if you don't, the people around you, your family, your friends, your kids, my for me, grandkids, I'm not doing them a service. I need to work on me. I need to always be the grind. I guess that would be, I need to always be in the grind. And people say, well, when are you going to arrive? What do you mean? When am I going to arrive? There's nothing to arrive to. Yeah. Right life is a journey. When I arrive, it's going to be, I'm going to be in the afterlife, whatever people want to call that afterlife. This is just one part of my life journey. And I think my spirit's going to live on. And if it doesn't, I guess I won't know, (laughs) but for now I'm living life the best I can so that I can be the best servant of others. And I do, I say that every day. Thank you for letting me wake up today. I did this morning. Thank you for letting me wake up today and give me an opportunity to be the best version of myself. Right. Yeah. Do you think it's a cool thing in modern times, I guess, to be negative, to be that negative person? You know, we were touching on movies earlier and, you know, we could see, you know, we talked about Avatar or whatever a little bit. And, you know, obviously it was one of the, you know, I don't know, all time greatest movies, I guess, or most yeah. money at the box office. But anyway, there's always going to be that one person, you know, you say, oh, I enjoyed it, man. It was a great movie. But there's always one person who's like, no, I hated it. So, well, what'd you hate about it? Huh. I just hated it. It sucked. What? Well, you know, you you can what what you hate, and they they won't tell you. They just want to hate on something. They just want to be negative. So, what your question was? Do you think negative needs to be around? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Here's why. It's just like people say, "I want to be happy all the time," Dwight. Right. And I'll say to them, you know, there's no such thing as a complete happiness because if you don't have sadness you don't have strife you don't have trials and tribulations you can't have happiness it's just like negativity so that person that says well i didn't like that movie it makes you reflect and think okay what did i like about that movie so you get a polarizing opposite opinion in that circumstance you know it makes you think differently i like this movie i actually really did like it i didn't you know that you know you said sometimes it'll say oh i just didn't like it but other times people will be very descriptive why they didn't like it and i'll go you know it causes conversation i you know i had that already about that newest doctor strange movie and i went yeah you know i really like this part this i didn't like it was a conversation there was no oh you're wrong or i'm right (laughs) so it caused my brain to think differently but if i just always heard the positive of everything i'd never know that there was an opposite side to anything too right obviously you want to control how much negativity you let it to your life but i think life has to have negativity it has to have um sadness despair and in order to even recognize happiness right not just the yeah, fact i agree, of with, that. I agree with that yeah i just just wonder if just people just want to have this hate on something just because they just want to bring people down and just you know they're unhappy with their life so it's like oh i just want to 
just make sure Dwight, he's unhappy too, just because I am, you know, and that's why they just decide to hate on something or be negative towards anything in life. And they just try to pull you down with them. Well, like, and they attract uh, like attracts like crap attracts crap. And yeah. some people, people, some people, their associations, like you said, that five associations are all negative and they're always hanging out with each other on the weekends and they're messaging one another and their posts are negative. Everything is just like negative, negative, negative. You, you get what you sow. And if you're one of those people that are feeling like your associations are negative, you're listening to this, you can change. I did. Chris has changed. We continue to evolve and change. Life is about an evolution. Mankind, humankind has evolved, right? Some of humankind today is de-evolved. Look, uh, look at what's going on around the world, or even you bring up Roe versus Wade. I'm quite familiar with that. There's, there's some people think it's an evolution of change. Some people think it's de-evolving. The problem is, is these two sides of the camp, no matter what it is, Roe versus Wade or just life war, like with Ukraine and Russia or Democrats versus Republicans, liberals versus conservatives in this country. Sometimes these camps just don't, they attack one another instead of just being kind, realizing that they can agree to disagree, come to a common point. They won't be able to all the time and rule in a positive kind way quit being where you're trying to put your ideologies on other people and put your thumb down on them and control them yeah. right that's not what life's supposed to be right hope not governments are supposed to be here to support and help us for the people but you look at what's going on around the world it's it's not for the people it's always about their ideologies their opinions trying to have you know if i have a differing opinion and i'm telling chris something and chris goes no you have to feel like this you're not allowed to do that blah 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 blah. instead chris goes hmm i see your point but here's how i feel and then we have a conversation and if we can't come to to some sort of consensus that's okay chris and i agree to disagree and walk away we're still friends and the 70 30 principle still applies there you go there you go dude i like that do you uh do you know what the dark triad is i've been learning about this a little bit the dark triad i think it's what it's called the dark triad and so basically some evolutionary psychologists yeah have been talking about this lately and it's basically a person human being whatever has these three traits and it's psychop hope i say this right psychopathy uh, Machiavellianism and narcissism. And a lot of it's just saying that, you know, those three traits, most people like in a CEO type, you know, big, they have no remorse for whatever they do to, you know, the people below them as far as making decisions for the company or whatever. And so they do these just, and that's how you get successful because you don't have no empathy for anybody below you. And you have to have these in order to become to a certain, I guess, certain level in your life you know i guess it's like a ceo of a major fortune 500 company and you know there's also another argument they made that you know most women are attracted to people of these types because they tend to be kind of the alpha male where they are going to be right and they're going to take charge and they're going to not care what they do to other people and most women are like might go towards that just because of the protection part of it but anyway i mean that's like the gist of it all but i've, I've been learning about it and just how people who possess these traits and that uh you know, can you be successful without having an ego or with an ego and stuff like that? It was just, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just been on my mind lately. Just wanting to learn more about it. But I was seeing what you've, you had any thoughts on it. Well, you know, I heard for so many years that ego is a bad thing, but actually you can have 
good the eagle can be good as well and you know you mentioned the fact of women being attracted to powerful men mm-hmm. really in reality if they're attracted to powerful men in my experience they are arm candy or they're what whatever there's somebody that is just you know they don't have their own sense of belonging they are attracted to that because they're maybe a slow self-esteem maybe they grew up and with patterns of i've seen that dominant behavior of men over women and i don't think that in all cases it's bad but i think in a lot of cases in my experience when i've seen that happen not even necessarily wealthy people just a, a man that's more dominant in their opinions or they're very you know rawr and yeah. women is attracted to them it doesn't last long term i look at the fact that people like you know look at the wealthy people out there how many billionaires have been, are divorced and how many times have they been divorced right yeah. you, you look at some of the most successful billionaires right musk uh gates bezos um, bezos right yeah. even a, even our local billionaire that owns our hockey team the list goes on and they're very dominant personalities i'm not trying to judge them but answering your question i think it can be a detriment it really can right because th- that woman or and there's been circumstances where it's the opposite gender <clears throat> where i've seen it very infrequent more frequent toward what you were saying sure that it's because they have patterns of what they learned when they were growing up and they never broke out of it. So they always want to feel safe and taken care of, but really they're living on a hamster wheel themselves. They have, they have no real defined personality or opinion and they're just living life. And that's fine. If that's what they can, you know, understand, maybe they're just tolerating it. in a lot of cases and why they don't, those marriages don't last, but Ego, there's a lot of egotistical people out there sure. in a negative sense, right? Their ego is just driving everything. They never have enough, exactly. right? How many people, how many billions do you need? You know, like how many millions do you need? Yeah. Where do you, like I interviewed a guy this week and he's worth millions. He says, you know what? My whole goal in life is just to make sure I have like 20 grand a month. I can live a good life. I've sat down and figured out all the numbers. I would think so. 20 grand a month, I can live a damn good life. I can still travel. I can save for my retirement. But he says, life's given me different opportunities and alternatives so that I have millions now. And he says, but that was my whole focus. And I still train and focus and coach on, you know what? What's your number? What's your FIN number? What's your freedom number? Like, what's your financial independence number? What do you need? Right? You're making five grand a month now. Are you happy? Yeah, a little bit more will be good. Okay, six grand a month. Yeah. What's yeah, your I number? I don't know. That's that's a good question. But I've never really thought about it. But you know, I mean, if you made six figures a year here in America, I mean, that's what what is the one percent? Most people don't make uh, over thirty four thousand in the world. Ain't that the or something like that? Oh, well, the the stat is the different on different countries. The stat for North America, though, is not like I was just reviewing the latest stats it's 91 percent of people in canada are dead or dead broke by the time they hit 65 years of age in the u.s it's 94 so to put that into context listeners or even chris you ever been in a room of 100 people i'm sure you have sure. walk into that room and know that 91 to 94 of those people are, are going to be dead they're not even going to make 65 or they're going to be dead broke right 
I've right. sat with clients in their seventies that they're dead broke and they're just, they're living from, from social security to next, you know what I mean? And, and they're watching a paint peel on the wall and, and sadly it's majority of our population. So I'm not sure exactly the numbers, like, I know, the median income here for most families, double income is around 60 grand okay. combined income. That's not a lot of money no. when you think about it. Not right? No. And, and, and how many more <clears throat> families need both people have to work just to survive or barely survive. Right. Yeah. Now I've heard a statistic that usually I forgot where I heard this from, but like if you can't do off 70,000, then you, know, you probably should reevaluate how you're living or whatever, you know? But I think like for some reason, I don't remember where I picked that up from, but it was like 70,000 seemed to be like the most said number that, you know, what you said about, you know, what, how much you need per year. And that you yeah. for 70,000, but you know, it's tough, you know, especially, you know, like, what'd you say? You had five kids where they all go to college now. And oh know. my gosh, indeed. It was, I lived in quiet desperation for so long yeah. and it was, it was horrible. Even, you know, I did a speech here where I got it recorded. It's actually up on my website. I did a speech at, a, at an event and it's basically why 2008 was your worst year of my life. Right. Well, 2008, we had massive market correct, correction around the world. I got full-time custody of my kids. I wasn't just a joint custody. I got full-time custody. Oh, wow. My industry is based on finance, majority of it. The whole market crashed. Sure. It took just about four years for it to even come to a point where um, there was any form of recovery. And then, it, it's you know, that roller coaster ride in my industry is, is horrible, but, you know, I was talking in that speech about the fact of, you know, I was afraid to log on to my bank account, brother, fearful that I'd see less than zero and happy if I'd Bro. see zero. Oh, man. Right. And I lived like that for a long time. Scary. And it was it was horrible. It was it was. And, and realizing that I was already in finance, I understood the rules of the money game. I understood budgeting. But the problem is, is you can understand all of it. You can know the solution, but if you don't have the the puzzle pieces to make the picture or to get to that solution, which for me, I needed more money, it's terrible. So I'd hide it from my kids, what I was experiencing, what I was going through. I lived a facade and smiled and, and, you know, robbed Peter to pay Paul lines of credit, credit cards. And oh my gosh, it was just, it was terrible. And I had to have a realization, what did I do to help my clients out these last years, right? This is now 2008. What am I going to do moving forward? It took me a little bit of period of time. I had to reevaluate and not be a hypocrite and realizing that I'm telling people one thing, yet I'm not doing it myself anymore. So I had to reevaluate and start that baby step process again. And it took me years to get to a point where I could build, you know, build myself a, a ladder to climb out of my valley of despair and not have that quiet desperation. But I could see it. I could acknowledge it. And that's what 2008 was a trigger for me to acknowledge where I had allowed myself to get and then build myself out of that and not be camped. It was still a struggle. All of a sudden, it wasn't like, listen, it's not magical. It's not snapping my fingers, having pixie dust. I didn't have Tinkerbell there giving me pixie dust to make money materialize. But when you have the realization, even when your times are tough, that there is a way out, it gives you hope. 
It gives you faith. And so many people have that instead of letting fear control me. And that's, you know, one thing I'll mention fear is an acronym, not false evidence appearing real. Like everybody says for me, fear, when I feel it now, it's face everything and rise. What am I going to do? Why am I letting fear control me? Face everything and rise, brother. I tell myself that. Does it work all the time? No, I'd be, I'd be lying if I said it did. But I, the things that I do to change my state work more times than not. But I have to effectively do them all the time. Even when that habit's built, sometimes society or life or whatever will pull me back into that valley of despair, pull me into quiet desperation. And I need to remind myself, why are you being fearful? Face everything and rise, right? Because feeding fear just keeps on, keeps you trapped, right? Yeah, that's a badass, man. I'm, I can't believe you. I, I was greatly sad, dude. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you got to get caffeinated. You got to get motivated and you got to get punched through that wall if you want to get out of that rut, man. And just, so, you know, some people just rather lay down in the cut and just take it. But yeah, man, you got to have some discipline. You got to get up and get ready and get out there after. If you want something, most times it's just not going to come to you and fall in your lap, man. You just you really want it you got to get out there and do the dirty work and take your losses and take your wins and get up after it man yeah the grind man and you know what i've i admitted it to you i fell back into a trap where i was just comfortable i wasn't necessarily in the in this situation financially like i was back in 08 but even in 2020 just before the pandemic hit i was like wow what am i doing i don't you know these markets go up and down. My business goes up and down and I've got a lot of life left in me. I've got a lot of gas in the tank. What am I doing? I'm serving a few people. I'm helping out. I'm making a difference in people's lives, including myself, but I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't completely happy. Not necessarily that I didn't want to do my industry anymore, but I needed to understand what can I do differently on just weeks before the lockdown in March of 2020, one of my good friends that I had started, well, at that time, he wasn't a good friend. Now he is. He's also the guy that wrote the forward for my book, Tony Watley, put out a challenge to great confidence and said, starting March 1st, you guys are going to do videos every single day. And that's how that video challenge I mentioned started. And at first days, I was sweating. I was, you know, my bald head was sweaty. I had the pouch and <laughs> sweat there. I was just like... Right. You look at my first videos to where I was a year later, two years later, it helped build confidence. It helped get out of my introverted nature. It helped me realize that I want to speak in a non-captive basis, not, you know, to a group of 30 or a few hundred people in the finance world where I wanted to go out and share my story so that I could elevate people and give them hope that I could give them faith, that I could help them get over fear, that I could help them understand it's okay to change your associations. All the things that I had figured out over a long period of time, I wanted to encapsulate and collapse timeframes for people. And that's what 2020 was for me. Everybody says the pandemic was bad. Yes, it was, but it was also good for me. It was good for many people. I know it helped me reevaluate my life. It helped me you know, realize what I want to do. What is my long-term game plan, right? It's still to be in the finance, but it's to elevate above that, right? Make it where I want want to be speaking on the stages around the world. And I'm working on that all the time. And I want to continue to have great conversations. And I've had lots of podcast episodes, podcast episodes myself, but I've only been on a few, right? I've been on like 20. I need to be, I need to get my message out there so that I can give people hope, brother. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's, that's so badass too. you know, just, and that's one thing that I kind of want to make a quick comment on just that 
know, if you want to start something, if anybody wants to do something, you got to just get up and start doing it. You know, just because your day one might not look like, you know, somebody's day 365. I mean, that's still okay. I mean, it's okay to look like a fool on day one, but you learn from it, you grow from it. And what do they say? You got to put in your 10,000 hours to master your craft. I mean, you know, that's part of it. You just got to, that's one thing, you know, I knew when starting this, that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to articulate well, or maybe to say something that how I wanted to be able to say it, or, you know, it'd be frightful of even having a conversation with some guy just, you know, met over the internet, but you know, but it's what you got to do and you get better at it. The more you do it, the more you do it. The reps. Yeah. You put in your reps, you put in your hours, just like everything else. You know, there's outliers out there, of course, who just come out of the womb and who are good at everything or whatever their chosen craft is. But yeah, man, just like everything else in life, the more you do something, the better you get. If you can just get over, you know, if you're going to look like a fool or not, I mean, it goes a long ways. I think we touched on that a little bit earlier, but yeah, man, that's one of the things is you got to get out of your own way. You know, you you can be on your own worst enemy. And that's one thing I've learned in this life is that, you know, Chris usually gets in the way of Chris, you know, rather than and that's the reason I was always scared to take on something new or do something, you know, and, you know, according to Matthew McConaughey and his green lights book, you know, that's a great book. Yeah, it is brother. The audible book is amazing. I do. I love that book, man. How he was changing his voices and the acting he was doing. It was so good, man. And, you know, that resonated with me too, that, you know, you look for these green lights, you look for these opportunities and you take a hold of them. If you really want to do something, just don't sit back and, eh, well, maybe we'll what see. Are you, what are you telling yourself? Like you said, green light, like it's, it's what we, the triggers. Like goes off in your head, man. Instead of like every red sign or every red stoplight you see, like, no, look for that green light. If that's something you see as an opportunity could come out of that, go after it. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%, man. brother. 100%. Uh, yeah, man. Um. Dwight, you're a badass too, man. You want to take this home on that? You know, sure. It's on a good note. Absolutely, man. I know you we've know been talking for a while, so. Everybody that's listening, just always understand no matter what you're hearing in life or what you've programmed yourself to believe, you are worthy. We all are capable of better greatness in our life. No matter what level you are, you can always start to climb. But just realize you need to find somebody that believes in you is, you know, but you have to believe more in yourself. First, you have to be one of the willing, even if it's just a little spark within your heart and in your mind, right? Take that spark, stoke it, find the people or information or the books or the podcast to listen to that are going to spark that in you so that you can go on the climb and stop being camped because you are worthy. Right. You want to plug uh, your book again and your podcast and all that good stuff? Sure. Yeah, real sure. Quick. My, my, my book is, uh, you can find everything you want to find out about me, go to giveaheck.com. That is my brand. Um, you can find out about my book, uh, give a heck. It's how to live life on purpose and not by accident. It's uh, 150 pages. It's a, a, a read that will stoke your inner fire and realize that you too can achieve whatever, my podcast and it comes out live a week once a week. It's give a heck. I have guests on that have struggled and gone through triumphs or pardon me, struggles. And then they go through triumphs. So they have a struggle from their origin to where they are today. The journey of, you know, maybe they were abused. Maybe they were somebody that was neglected, overlooked, bullied, whatever. They've got some strife going on in their lives and they rose above that. And now they're out coaching and teaching and helping other people do that. They may not even be an entrepreneur. They could be somebody that's at a job, but they're just great at their career and they're just a good person. So my podcast is meant to inspire and 
and help people from the employee to the entrepreneur and in between. And I have people on that have been empath coach, like they're empath coaches. I've had people on that are, um, you know, talk about, you know, your believability in life. And it's just, I've had everybody in in between. I've had people that are on that are, are, uh, corporate i've had people that are non-corporate i've just but their their theme of it is they must give a heck they must be somebody that's gonna my listeners are gonna listen to at the end and go wow they 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 have to be somebody that's powerful because i had to learn how to give a heck and that's what everybody deserves right so sure dwight thanks for being here dude thanks for taking the time sitting down having a little chat with me man Oh, absolutely. This has been amazing. I appreciate you. Chris. Good, good. Uh, anything else you want to say before we uh, put up the uh, put up the lights or the curtain in or whatever it's called? No, um, I appreciate it. Just check me out, listeners. If you need any, you know, we can have a discovery call and I can talk to you depending on what level of conversation you want. It's not going to cost you a dime because I really do give a heck. I want to help people elevate in their lives. Thanks again. All right, everybody, we're out of here. Be good to yourselves. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.